Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American-made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out URBNSV. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 equip.com A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy. Get yours today at a3equip.com. Proceed with caution. All doctors to the ER. Do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. What is up? We are back with another episode of Squared Away. We are here with JR. JR is a SWAT member from North Carolina, right? North Carolina. All right, dude. Um, I mean, we kind of got connected because I heard you, you had an awesome, I guess not not so awesome, but a, a, a story about an ambush yeah. when you were off duty. Um, let's just let's start with your, just your background. Where where are you from? Uh, so I'm from a small town here in North Carolina. It's called just Chapel Hill. So it's, it's home of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. So if you're familiar with that, a small college town, a very diverse town. Um, uh, that's where I'm from. So uh, grew up there, born and raised here in North Carolina, never really went anywhere else. Uh, elementary, middle school, high school, never really relocated anywhere else. And um, after high school, got a full scholarship to play at the University of North Carolina Central here in Durham, a very prestigious, historically black college university. I was able to be offered a full scholarship. Um, registered my freshman year, you know, was there five years, graduated in four and a half. Um, and then pretty much jumped right into law enforcement right out of college, man. So my upbringing was, upbringing was in, in Chapel Hills. Like I said, it's very diverse, but I was from the poverty side of town. Uh, mom and dad, uh, you know, high school degree, paycheck to paycheck. Um, kind of one of those deals and was the first to go to college out of my family. And, uh, you know, wanted to kind of, my dad always kind of pushed me to be better. Uh, he wanted better for, for, for me and my brother. So um, that was kind of my upbringing. Um, you know, real true grit, down and dirty type living, man, until I was able to get on my feet. So, 
That's where, honestly, that's where some of the best people come from is that, that kind of real upbringing, nothing, no silver spoon. Like you have to actually learn how to live and how to be a good human being. Yeah, exactly. So would you say your, your dad was a good role model? Yeah, I, I say my dad was, uh, my biggest role model, uh, my biggest influencer of, of my life. I, you know, he passed, uh, three years ago now and, um, very young, he was 59 years old when he died of a heart attack. Um, so it was very tragic. It was kind of unexpected. This wasn't one of those things I was really expecting, but he was a huge influence in my life. Uh, growing up, uh, he and my mom had some issues. They separated, divorced. Uh, but my dad was actually uh, the one who took me, my brother, and kind of raised us. My mom was kind of off trying to learn and grow on her own. Um, so he was able to take me and my brother in, which is which is very prominent, you know, prominent, especially, uh, I would say, anywhere, but uh, specifically in the, in the African-American or uh, culture, not having a father there is a huge thing. We've seen that kind of really take a turn for a lot of, you know, people of color who have not had the father in their lives. Uh, and it goes, like I said, it goes for anybody, but specifically, definitely in the African-American community, not having a prominent role model father to be able to kind of guide you and learn, you know. Um, I, I big up to all the single mothers out there who, who are raising who are raising young boys to be kings, but um, I'm a big advocate that, you know, a, a woman can't teach a man how to be a man. I mean, that, and that's what it is. So I'm thankful that my father was there to kind of teach me and do things to me. And I know I've, I've brought it up a few times in the podcast before, but one of the most amazing things that they've found through research of, uh, of a single single parent home is in the single parent homes where there is no father empathy is actually lacking which you would think would be a more of a feminine mm-hmm. characteristic but empathy is lacking in in the the homes without a father which is just i mean kind of crazy but also kind of explains a lot wow wow um so you went right into law enforcement from college what did, what did you go to school for did you go to school for went, criminal justice law enforcement yeah so out of high school i was in this program it was called avid i think it's still around it's called advanced individual determination uh very very prominent national uh organization program uh got us you know got me prepared for college and things of that nature kind of pushed us to have a a major in mind i mean most people go to college and they're like you know i don't know what i want to be uh, but I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do going into college, so it was easy. I jumped right into law enforcement, um, and then I got my degree, my bachelor's of science in law enforcement. So it was it was in criminal justice, so it was easy for me just to kind of coax right in. And then uh, right into to beat cop, or yeah, so straight from there, man. Uh, right out of so right out of college, I was probably employed uh, here with a local police agency here uh, where I'm where I'm at, North Carolina. I was probably employed within six months of graduation, so. You know, fresh out new was, you know, very tough for people to kind of get a job in their profession, uh, you know, six months out. So I jumped in it right, right quick. Uh, it started off at a local police agency. Didn't say that very long. Uh, then went over to the, the sheriff's department as well. So that's where I kind of started. Uh, didn't start off as a beat cop, to be honest, man. I kind of started off my journey as a bailiff. Uh, here uh, where I'm we're here in North Carolina, we're building this huge new uh, courthouse. So they hired most of us on to be bailiffs. So we had a lot of young guys. Uh, and they wanted to kind of, you know, set the tone, set the standard for this multi-million dollar courthouse that we started off. So I was in there for about uh, seven months uh, as a bailiff. I worked um, in uh, the the family courts. I did a little bit of uh, child custody stuff uh, and then some civil stuff. So it was pretty cool. Uh, seven months. And I, then I started to be a beat cop and really learn how to be the police, I should say. How big is the how big is the area you guys police? Um, it's, it's pretty big. I don't know as far as like mileage, but uh, there's probably about close to 300,000 here in, in, in where I'm set. So it's a pretty big area. We have multiple, two main municipalities. Uh, we have a, a PD and we have a sheriff's office and then we have other local um, 
colleges and universities, you know, things of that nature. So it's probably about um, about five agencies here in North Carolina. So all, really all sorts of all sorts of room for trouble. Man, tons of room for trouble. Man, it's a hot spot, bro. <laughs> what uh, what was your first big like holy shit moment? Um, my first dude, my first holy shit moment was I was in FTO or field training, and I was right with my training officer. Uh, and you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're training, you, some guys don't get exposed to things early. Uh, I was kind of one of those guys that got exposed early. You know, I was kind of, you know, my training officer still refers to me uh, as a shit magnet. Um, so, uh, we were, we were, a funny story. We were doing a, we were setting up a, um, a checkpoint with higher patrol. We were assisting them. Higher patrol wanted us to be one of the chase cars. Uh, and we happened to be one of the chase cars. And like the second car that came through that man, this guy kind of blew through it, didn't stop. So it was a full-on onslaught chase between us and High Patrol. We're chasing this guy, and this guy um, was driving like a little smaller, like uh, a little smaller two-door uh, convertible vehicle, and uh, he hit this this Mack truck head-on, man, and it, and it exploded. And that guy was in, you know, I had to be gruesome, but the guy was in like a million pieces. And I knew at that point, I was like, "Well, what am I getting myself into?" I mean, it was it was, and it was early too. And I'm like, I've, I've never seen a dead body before. I never seen that type of, never felt that type of adrenaline before, uh, and been exposed to that type of chaos. So that was like my first oh shit moment. Like this is this is real. And that's one of those where it's like, oh man, like you did that to yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, you're standing around, and you're like, like where do where do we begin, man? Like where like two minutes ago, this guy was you know just leave driving away from us, and now we're like trying to find where body parts are. It's just kind of crazy. So. A little bit of a Darwin, Darwinism there, right? Like, eh, well, maybe. Yeah. Um. So, what got you into SWAT? Um. So I knew, uh, I knew this. That's something I always wanted wanted to be in, man. And uh, it was it was one of those things that transferred over well for me. You know, being an athlete, um, being a captain on my on my college team for you know the, the my junior and senior year, wanting to lead men. Um. And I think that's the preem being of law enforcement. You know, there's no bigger you know, I guess group of elite guys than, than SWAT. Um, it's, it's who the police call when the police need the police. Um, so I knew it was one of the biggest things, you know, the, the, the biggest goals I had set for myself and I wanted to do the best I can to, uh, be a part of that elite group. Uh, especially I knew it would grow my, my career professionally. You know, a lot of guys are big into, a lot of departments are big into like tactical leadership. Um, and here in my agency, a lot of guys who are in the upper echelon in the command staff who are are on specialized divisions or on SWAT. So it works out. Um, and then how long have you been in SWAT? Uh, I've been in SWAT for eight years. Uh, I'm a okay. sergeant now and assistant team leader on the SWAT. So, so what, what does that look like? What, what does the day look like there? Um, so we have, so my agency, uh, we have a, a part-time, um, we're a part-time uh, SWAT team. Um, we should be full-time because so we do full-time work. Um, but on the daily uh, what happens is I am a I'm a sergeant on uniform patrol, so I manage a group of probably about nine guys, and I have a supervisor, my lieutenant. Um, so when we get a call, and most of our calls are you know kind of generating from patrol stuff, whatever investigations have, but mainly what narcotics does. We do a lot of raids and stuff for narcotics. So when we have a call out, um, one of the team leaders will put some out, and guys will kind of because of the volunteer team, we'll see how many guys are available. Uh, we'll group up, we'll brief it, you know, do our reconnaissance and and, and handle business. So let's get into the let's get into the ambush story. What 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 can you tell us about that? What happened? Um, obviously it's definitely it's still federal investigation going on. Yeah, and so I figure there's not a ton you can talk about. Not a but. ton as far as names and things of that nature that I can like drop, but I'll kind of give you the rundown. 
Um, it's coming up in about a year, so November fourteenth. So we're, we're we're embarking on this point. I go back to work on the so I go back to I go back the day after my anniversary that's the anniversary date of being anniversary. So it was an early Saturday morning. Um, I was off, man. I was off work. My wife and kids had just left the house to go do some uh, shopping. Um, and I left. I was going to meet up with some of my guys, my former college teammates who were in town, getting close to Thanksgiving. We we're going to do some training. I'm big into physical fitness, so we're going to go work out uh, here at a local park. Grab my stuff, um, left my house, man. And, you know, I'm I'm really always kind of aware of my surroundings. You know, when I'm in uniform, more so, absolutely. But when I'm out of uniform, there's going to be a normal sense of being relaxed, but still being aware. Um, didn't see any cars on my street. Didn't see any anything. Nobody following me. Anybody that I that wasn't normal for a Saturday morning, man. Like again, it's ten o'clock in the morning. Most people are really kind of just getting moving around, running their errands. Um, while I leave out of my neighborhood and I get to a the first stoplight, so I'm literally you know point two five miles away from my home, uh, and I see um, there was a truck. I remember a truck pulling up behind me um, in the distance, but I was the first car to the light. Um, and from behind the truck emerged a white in color a Hyundai Sonata. Um, Tenant windows, but when they were approaching me, the windows were already down. Um, and I immediately locked eyes with the passenger who had on the hood. Um, the driver had on the hood as well, but they both had on these those COVID masks, man. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of guys, criminals will take opportunities to wear those masks to kind of hide themselves. But, you know, it's not normal, man. You know what I mean? That's just, we call that in, in this line of work. I'm pretty sure you guys are aware of it. We call those nonverbal clues, bro. Like, I'm aware of it. Like, if it don't look right, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, damn it, it's a duck. You know what I mean? So uh, I immediately noticed that, you know, guys in the hoods and he was giving me this thousand yard stare, which we use in law enforcement. He's staring right through me. And I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. I've never seen this guy before. And it looks like they were trying to get my attention. But my windows were uh, were rolled up and my tent's very dark on my vehicle. Um, just because my I travel with my girls and I want to keep my family safe and kind of hide my identity from some of the work I've done. Um, and as soon as I began to crack my window, man, uh, the guys, they just unloaded my vehicle. Man, I, they, I just heard the cracks. Of gunshots um and um i did the best i could i was armed but i could not get to my weapon uh everybody asked me man did you get a chance to fire rounds back man when you're in a gunfight and you you get yeah. lost a drop all you can do is you know duck your taco and and, and and try to survive and that's what i did i was able to duck um they just they were they were they were crushing my car dude i mean i couldn't imagine if there was a car in front of me but in the split second it probably it seemed like it was an attorney but it was probably maybe Maybe three or four seconds. They they hit my car seventeen times. Um, a lot of car. A lot of the rounds went through the uh, the back the back windshield through the side door. They were all in my kids' car seats. Uh, there was three in the headrest. Um, one the one that got me was the one that hit me in my lat, and I think that's because I was ducking, you know, covering my head, and it caught me right underneath my lat and came out of my front delt. Uh, and another one grazed me on my tricep. Um, as I was pulling away, um, I was just thinking about those things, thinking about my training. You don't, those things just happen naturally, man. You know, if you've trained something over and over again, you made it a repetition, you've thought about those type of scenarios. When the moment comes, it just happens. Uh, so I was able to get away, kind of do some self-assessment on myself. Uh, there was a young gentleman who I finally stopped. It took me forever to wave somebody down because I'm bleeding. I got a big old beard and I got a gun in my hand and I'm bleeding. Nobody wants to stop, you know? So, um, Somebody stopped and I was able to kind of self-assess, walk this guy. The guy was terrified. I was trying to walk him through it and just keeping pressure on my wound. I'm on the phone. I got a gun in my hand trying to talk to communications. Uh, then the cavalry came. Once they came, got me off to the hospital. Uh, luckily, it was it was a through and through. Didn't hit any organs. Didn't hit any vital you know, arteries or bones. It was literally muscle straight right through the muscle, right through the fat, out. 
uh, and it was a very clean wound. So it healed up. I was probably out of work for about two months and out of the gym and out of the gym for maybe two weeks. I remember going back to the gym after two weeks and my bandage is still bleeding because I was still training. So <laughs> it was pretty sweet. And they got the guys, right? They got them. Um, one of the guys they got the next day, um, it was kind of bittersweet. You know, the guys, the SWAT team, they kind of pulled us off of it, obviously, because we have a conflict of interest. So they used another local municipality SWAT team to kind of do everything. They got one guy. Uh, next day, they got the other guy. About He was on the run for about 64 days before they caught him. Um, one of the females that's uh, involved, she just got sent to two years uh, for lying to the guy uh, in cooperation. She's hiding those guys out, and then the guys are waiting. Probably going to so looking forward to that that's my uh that's my revenge yeah right so can you tell was it was it in relation to something you had done in the past so they don't really know um neither one of the nobody's cooperating uh in regards to the information um so we don't know if it was you know a a planned ambush and attack um i mean guys are just kind of trying to you know the, the the investigators are trying to kind of piece everything together you know with it being so close to my house so early in the morning um you know, they're still doing some data, some data dumps as far as cell phones and trying to do some interviews. So they don't know if it was a planned attack or if it was, um, you know, misidentification. Those guys thinking I was a rival gang member that's driving a similar, similar car or what, you know what I mean? But um, until until I am informed otherwise, I'm, I'm taking it as it was an attack on my life and my life specifically. So. Yeah. And thank God your kids weren't in those seats. Yeah. Amen, brother. So we this is the Squared Away podcast, and we do we do talk about um, personal development. We get into the pillars. The pillars are the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional. So the physical, I think, I think you've got a lot of a breadth of knowledge between your athletic career. You are uh, you're a trainer. What is what is your physical practice look like? So my physical practice, and it's it's always, you know, that physicality has always been a, a presence in my life, obviously being a collegiate athlete. So it's always been instilled in me. Um, but uh, my training regimen looks like right now I'm in, I'm in a bulking season because it's, it's winter. I do um, bodybuild a little bit, too. So I do some men's physique stuff. I have some experience in that. And I'm also I have a I have my own company and I do nutritional guidance. Um, so right now it's I, I do traditionally more. um you know, weightlifting style stuff. Um, I do a little bit of CrossFit because that's important. I believe in my job, you know, it, it's kind of my job relation. It's, it's important working at explosiveness and using those tools, training to do the things that you do on a normal. So, um, but my normal regiment, you know, I'm, I'm lifting probably about three or four times a week. I'm pretty heavy in the gym right now because I'm trying to gain some weight, add some mass after losing all my strength of being shot. So, um, and then it's a little bit of cardio involved in that as well um, to kind of keep the fat off. And then the, the biggest part is, um, that diet and nutrition, man, that's the biggest part of my physical training. You know, if I'm not eating right, I don't have the fuel to fuel my body, to fuel my workouts to keep me going. And it's, it's, you know, you're pretty much pointless, you know, you're just working out just to work out. What's your, what's, uh, what's your diet look like? You said what now? What's your diet look like? Uh, so my diet is fairly clean. Uh, when I bulk, I, there's a tons of ways you can do it. You know, you talk about, you know, a clean bulk or a dirty bulk. Uh, right now, I'm, I eat kind of like a pit bull. And, you know, everybody's like, man, you eat the same thing every day, you know. So in the morning, I'm always doing like two or three eggs in the morning, either uh, boiled or um, over easy, um, doing oatmeal, uh, things of that nature, a lot of good fr- quality fruits, whole foods, uh, a lot of range-free chicken. I talk about, you know, you know that being range-free chicken or free-range um, grass-fed beef, a lot of that stuff. Um, and then I do, I do probably fish two, uh, two or three times a week. Um, and then most of my carbohydrates consist of 
those complex carbs being a jasmine rice, sweet potato. I kind of keep it the same, man, because I know what my macronutrients are. I know what my body needs. Uh, and I keep it, um, I keep it, you know, I keep it sort of strict, but then I have like two, two days a week uh, where I get a cheat meal. So Friday's like my day, man. I, I go, I go and get donuts for the girls and I do a pizza at night. So that's like my deal for Fridays, that treat to kind of keep going. But I keep it simple, man. Chicken, fish, steak, uh, rice, potatoes, maybe asparagus or broccoli. What, how tall and how heavy are you? Uh, right now I'm probably about five, nine and I'm about 225 pounds. What's, uh, probably, what's your calorie count look like? My calorie count right now, man, I'm trying to, it's re- very tough, but I'm trying to consume the number that I'm at right now is 3750. Uh, so it's a lot, it's a lot of food, man, that I'm trying to consume right now. So I'm right around 3750 and I try, it's, it's consistent. I'm able to do it now because I'm not working. Uh, so I'm able to eat throughout the night. I stay up pretty much late and I'm eating throughout the night. I get a chance to rest during the day. So it works out for me, man. So I'm trying to get to that 4,000 calorie a day count, man, just to keep it going. That's what I need to kind of put on that muscle, man. 4,000 clean calories is a lot of food. A lot of food. A lot of protein, right? Yeah, it's a lot of protein, a lot of eating. It's a lot of it's a lot of eating when you don't want to eat, man. You know what I mean? You know, six heavy meals a day and just like, you know, pinching your nose and eating that stuff and just swallowing a bunch of water. I don't drink. Um, I've probably been uh, sober for about going on four years now, so I don't drink. So that's that's a huge. And when you start talking about how the body, you know, because alcohol affects your metabolism. So the fact that I don't drink, I'm able to keep the weight off, keep my metabolism going. I'm also absolutely able to get those extra calories in. I believe I don't believe in drinking your calories, man. You know, I, I drink water and black coffee and maybe the occasional um, energy drink, maybe a rain or something like that. But uh, I try to keep it clean. I don't believe in drinking my calories. So with your, with your training, you said you're a little, you lean a little bit more towards bodybuilding than like a powerlifting training, correct? Yeah. So correct. what are you looking for as far as like rep ranges, sets, stuff like that? So I, I'm a big believer in, um, trying to not count, um, reps. Um, I believe in that, you know, if you, you sit up there and say, Hey, I'm going to do three sets of 10. You know, most of the time when you get up there and you do three sets of 10, you, you hit 10, hit number 10 and you still got a little bit more left in the tank. So I'm a little bit. I'm bigger on going to, you know, the maximum effort. You know, if, if the first set I get 25, I get 25. The second set, I get 23. I mean, I keep, you keep going until you, you can't go anymore. And I think that's how you build that muscle. So, but for the, if I'm writing down the plan, if I, if I go in with the mindset of a plan, uh, most of my stuff is usually four sets of 12 to 15. Uh, and that's kind of like where I want to keep it. You know, four sets of 12 to 15, uh, especially when I'm working, the, when I'm working value, I'm working mass. I want to cut those down a little bit. I might do. Uh, four sets of five. I made it kind of cut that range down because I'm doing a lot heavier weight. Uh, that's pretty much in everything, you know. I, and I, the way I train, I do it. Uh, chest. I, I do chest and tries, back and buys. I do legs on their own day. I do shoulders on their own days. Uh, and then I'll come back on like a Saturday or something like that and do a maintenance day where I do a full body. I'll hit legs. I'll hit everything, depending on how I feel, depending on where my body looks. Uh, and then I just kind of go from there. Awesome. What uh? What are your go to? What's your supplement plan look like? My supplement plan is, man, it's crazy right now, man. Uh, everything is clean right now. I haven't really gotten into uh, any type of uh, performance enhancement drugs, mainly because, you know, I just I haven't. I've always been a natural genetics guy, so I haven't gotten into that. I need to get my blood work done, though, because I want to know what my testosterone levels are. Um, but my my uh, supplement regimen looks pretty clean right now. I'm doing a I'm doing ashwagandha. I'm not sure many people are familiar with ashwagandha roots. It's, a, it's an ancient medicinal root. Really, It's really good for... Uh, keeping your stress levels down, helping that testosterone, dropping those cortisol levels. I'm doing that. I do a vitamin D. Um, I do a B12. I do a magnesium. 
um, elderberry, zinc, uh, omega-3 fish. I'm on L-carnitine right now, and I also do um, whey protein, a complete whey isolate uh, as well. Uh, is there anything else out there? I found this new supplement I'm, I'm trying as well to kind of, it helps with mood and stress. It's called DHEA. Not sure if anybody. Oh, yeah, I do, a, heard of I do a DHEA every night. Along with a yeah, along with a Yahimbine and a ZMK, which is basically oh man, is how, old, how old are you about there, Anthony? Uh, thirty three. Oh, okay, I'm like man, we're we're taking about the same stuff, except I'm like two decades ahead of you almost. Yeah, man, it's I just I want to make sure I'm on top of it, man, and uh, uh, and, and because I'm on that supplement, I mean, this is it's just the strongest I've ever been, man. I did uh, you know, I want I wanted to get I wanted to do four or five before I got back to before my anniversary date, and I'm lifting like. Bench press, I hit four fifteen probably three weeks ago. So I'm 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 pretty strong right now, man. I I think that supplement, you know, sleeping right and and, and having those supplementations down pat, I think it's working, man. It's got to be nice to have some time off too. Oh man, it's amazing, man. It's so good for the mental. I don't have to worry about his family stress. I have no work stress right now, man. It's, it's literally taking care of my three girls and and doing my doing what my wife says. So, <laughs> girl dad, that's that's me over here, girl dad. <laughs> Oh man, this is the best thing ever, bro. Right? Um, yeah. So, mental. I'm sure you you probably had a little bit more intense um, mental consumption when you were in college. But uh, what 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 kind of media do you consume? Are you a book guy, a documentary guy, movies? Um, man, I'm really not like a. I, I most of my readings. Um, there's two books. I, I have a ton of books, and you know, guys have especially through like. I mean, a lot of military guys and law enforcement guys. There's a lot of guys, you know, uh, you know, soul survivor and things of that nature. There's a lot of good books. Uh, Fearless is another great one. A uh, guy talks about that book. Uh, the, one of my two favorites are uh, Warrior Mindset. I took a class with Lieutenant Dave Grossman probably, man, four or five years ago. Uh, and talking about that Warrior Mindset. And then the other one, which is a staple, is Art of War, man. Uh, that's bro. I mean, it's just talk about those physical and mental battles. I mean, I think there's so much mentally you get from this book and understanding uh, those battles that you have within yourself and able to overcome that, man. So um, the art of war is huge. The warrior mindset. So I'm a reader when it comes to something I, I like. I like simple reads. I'm not a big time reader, um, but I'm not also not a big media guy. I don't watch too. I don't watch too many shows. I mean, I, I do some Netflix stuff. Pretty cool. I'm sure everybody was watching like Squid Games and things of that nature. But um, uh, I read a little bit when it when it when it appeals to me. Uh, but it has to really, it has to click with me. It has to like relate to me and that's to make sense for me. So to get through school, you just buckled down and did whatever you had to do. You didn't necessarily yeah, I, have a practice. No, I didn't have a practice, man. I didn't, I was one of those guys when it comes to like, you know, studying and ed education. Um, once I hear something, I'm a very auditory learner. Uh, so once I hear something, like I have it, I don't have to, uh, th th I've never been like a huge or, uh, so I'll take notes and if I, if I can see it, um, um, that helps as well. So, you know, being that, that helps me as well. But I never studied, man. Like it's either one of those things, like either, you know, it or you don't like I, I listened in class when my instructors teach, uh, when I go to these classes, I listen. So when it, it just registers for me auditorily, man. And then I go from there. So, um, maybe that's a blessing. That is definitely, that's definitely a blessing. Bro, when I, when I, if I hear it, man, it's, it's, it's over, man. If I hear it, I, I got it. Oh my so. God. I can't remember somebody's name that they told me six minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, if you're an auditory learner, you should get in that audiobook game, man. Man, um, everybody tells me about the audiobooks. It's, sometimes it's so hard to sit there and read, but when I'm in my car, listen, no, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, man. Like everybody's big on like the Joe Rogan things and stuff like that. Like, so I do listen, listen to a lot of a lot of podcasts and stuff like that nature, and that stuff kind of clicks uh, for me. 
because I can sit there and I can worry about driving. Uh, and and my, my mind just I'm just listening to those books and I'm just processing all the information. So it's definitely something I want to get into, man. Auditory book. Yeah, that's that's my go-to. I mean, that's like 50 books a year are all audiobooks for me. Oh man. So what's your uh, top three podcasts other than Squared Away? Uh yes, Squared Away. Um, Squared Away. Squared Away has to be a staple. Now I've been going. I was listening to another one like two days ago. It's one of the most recent ones you guys posted. It was a snippet, and I was listening to that one. Uh, so I'm gonna definitely uh, you guys. Um, Joe Rogan is obviously out there, and then I like listening to guys who who bring on. What's my man's name? I cannot remember his name. Um, um, the, the guy who's like a Navy SEAL. Um, Jocko? I have his no, not not Jocko. I've heard of his podcast with the other guy, light skinned brother. He was heavy set. Oh, David Goggins. Um, David Goggins. So anything that has David Goggins on it, any guys that are, that are bringing him on or listen stuff, I listen listen to a lot of his stuff too, man. That dude, that dude is a nut, bro. But damn, that, that's, like that'll be your first audio book. Do do the Goggins audio book because he does he records it like a podcast. So he records a, a chapter and then they talk about the chapter and he goes through like extra stories that you don't get in the actual book in between each chapter. It's awesome. Oh, the can't hurt me series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta check that out, man. I'm definitely that's definitely something I'm gonna you know put on my list to do, man. Um, especially having the, having this little bit of time off has been good to kind of get into some of that stuff. So I'll definitely take a mental note and get into that as well. Spiritual. Tell us about your spiritual practice. So my spiritual practice, man. I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm a believer of Christ, man. I'm a follower of Christ. I always have been. Um, I kind of got I got saved. Um, when I was a junior in high school, um, kind of took a break in my spiritual life in regards to like being a part of a church. Playing football was just too hard to, to be a part of a church. We were traveling every weekend and Sundays we had film and breakdown. And so it was just hard. So I went through the vast majority of my college career not going to a church um, and then uh, reconnected with a very, uh, well, not reconnected, but met this stranger who lives in my neighborhood. His name is uh, Hank Murphy. He's, a, he's actually a recording artist, just went number one on the billboards here for Christian music. Um, he goes by Brandon Murphy, connected with him. He got me back into the spiritual life, um, was a part of a, a, a church called Summit uh, here in North Carolina. Um, and then I helped, I don't want to say help start, but I went uh, to attend a, a church plant. It's called Rebuild Fellowship, where I'm at now. Very small and diverse church. Um, so I'm big in the spiritual, man. It's been a it's been a battle here lately over this last couple of years, dealing with some PTSD and uh, the spiritual realm. I have been able to obviously go to church uh, as much as I wanted because of COVID, all the restrictions. Then my wife got pregnant. So, um, but now what my my spiritual practice look like now? Every day I'm doing. I have a group of two other guys. Um, and it's my pastor and one other guy in the church who's also a law enforcement officer. And we do a daily devotional in the morning. Um, we send out a plan just through the Bible app. Uh, we read read through the scripture, um, go over the studies, and then we make comments and we kind of go back and forth about what we learned. Um, and then we also attend, uh, it's like, kind of like Kingdom Fellowship. It's on Mondays at like 730. It's a group of guys in my church. We get together and we just talk over scriptures and plans and reads and, you know, pray together and uh, try to try to become whole, man. You know, the, the church is, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the church being this this place for like the saved, man. It's just it's as a house full of sinners, bro, is all it is, bro. So we're all trying to reach that goal. We all, we, we all want to please God and uh, we'll never please him. Um, but if we live our lives trying to, I think... Uh, think uh, he'll, he'll be happy about that so you guys are doing uh plans out of the u version um we just i don't know which um version it is do we just go he, he sends the plan my pastor sends the plans brian oh, he sends like, plans. Oh, uh, it's just the holy bible app it's, it's pretty much one of the most most common yeah that's, one, that's the, the u version 
Is that a U-Vert? Yeah, it is. A U- Actually, it is. It is a U-Vert. I got to put notifications to- in there to wake me up in the morning <laughs> saying I got to do my devotions. Otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah. it's the version that kind of like tracks your plan. This day it's going to slam the notification. Do you reading the day? Like, yeah, it's the U version. Yeah, awesome. No, I so you, men- you mentioned your. Uh, you mentioned dealing with some PTSD. How do I mean you're you're in a pretty intense part of law enforcement. What is what does it look like for you to try to men- um, emotionally handle that kind of stuff? Um, it's really tough, man. Um, it's really tough, especially now, man. Like, uh, just you, you. I've seen so much, uh, and you know, we talk about you know PTSD, and that's one of my things. I kind of started after I got shot. I kind of started this. Um, it's kind of a saying. It's called hard to kill. Um. And it's like being, you know, taking the mask off and so much in law enforcement, man, we, we compartmentalize so much. Um, and being a sergeant on my squad, I have a lot of young officers that guys are like, you know, I've been in the field. I'm still young in my career. I'm 10 years in and I'm a sergeant on uniform patrol. But a lot of my guys are, you know, three, four years experience. So wanting to really get those guys open to talk about a lot of things, you know, what they've experienced. If they go to a specific call, if they're dealing with something outside of work um, that's kind of, you know, stressing them, it's tough, man. We see a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of death and trauma and a lot of, you know, destruction is all we deal with is dealing with people's issues. So um, and we don't get a chance to really deal with our own. So um, it's tough, man. And it's, it's really tough. Uh, I have those days and just being open with my wife and telling her, like, look, I'm not having a good day. And she knows if I'm not having a good day, it's not towards her. Um, you don't really you can't control those feelings of anxiety. I get a lot of anxiety when I drive my personal vehicle. Um especially because I live so close from the incident. I have to drive I, for so long, man, for the last two, for the first two months after I was recovering, I couldn't drive through the intersection. I couldn't do it. Um, I took the the routes around it. I, I tried to avoid it. But now every day I drive through that same intersection every day. Um, and I get anxiety when, when cars pull up beside me to have dark tan. I can't see in. Um, loud noises. Like 4th of July used to be one of those things I look forward to, man. 4th of July this year was terrible, man. Um, it was terrible for me, man. I just, you know, wanted to kind of, get in a dark room and, and, and put some headphones in and I have to hear the sound of what appeared to be gunshot. So, um, but you, you keep pushing, man, you reach out and I'm, I'm open about it. You know, I wear my emotions on my sleeve a lot. Uh, and when I'm not having a good day or I'm not feeling good, like I understand that's okay. Like it's okay not to have a good day and, uh, that's normal. So well, it's yeah, good to have accountability too. Yeah. The guys sure. that you can go to and pray for you. And, Cause yeah, otherwise that stuff just, yeah. It's, it's, and that, big piece man and for so much for law enforcement i feel there's i know there's going to be tons of guys out there who can relate um being involved in a, a ton of critical incidents and then that one that was kind of personal you know your, your agency send you out to these these local places that are free that are you know hey it's you know it's a part of the employee assistance program and those have been some of the the worst uh, conversations that i've had with some you know so-called psychiatrists because they just don't understand you know you can't you're not going to get a 40 year old woman who's never been in a car wreck to tell me I'm telling her about, you know, I've been shot or I've been ambushed or I've, I've saw this and I've dealt with this. And she just like, okay, uh-huh. Like, and she doesn't understand. So I got, I got connected with a, a group here in North Carolina. It's called NC leap. Uh, it's a group of guys that are, um, they're fantastic. You know, the peer support groups. Um, I'm connected with this guy now who was retired uh, from the ATF. He did a lot of stuff with the David Koresh stuff in, in Waco. Um, and uh, that dude's been, they paired me up with him because he's been through so much. He's, he's had, he's been in like seven critical incidents. He's been shot. He's been stabbed. He's had to kill people. Uh, and that dude is a weapon of honor. So if I'm having a bad day and I'm like, look, man, I need to talk to somebody. I call that dude and that dude talks me down. So, uh, and he understands it because he was prior law enforcement. So good to have somebody that, can, that you can relate to and uh, share the information with. 
And hopefully with science coming the way that it is, we really start to develop the ways to deal with these things in our country. I mean, I know me and Martin have talked about it on here a few times before, but just simple things like the MDMA studies that they've done, um, mm -hmm. that along with um, therapy drastically reduces PTSD scores. And after a few sessions, it, your your scores stay down versus any medication that they're going to give you. The minute you, you're off of them, the scores are right back up. So like there's a, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot scientifically that they are trying to do. It's just everything is so much so far behind they learn oh we're, we're, we're so far i read this book right after it's called the body keeps the score um and it talks a lot about the scientific stuff of like you know the scientific background between like ptsd and you know the military stuff we're just we're so far behind the eight ball and i think mental health is such a huge part of our society that just goes overlooked and there's such a negative stigma on it so when you, when you tell a guy, you know, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to go talk to a shrink or a psychiatrist, everybody thinks he's crazy. So guys want to naturally for guys and girls that are exposed to that stuff that can compartmentalize because they don't want to be labeled. we got to start taking this negative label off mental health, mental illness and PTSD and start adding some importance to that stuff. Because there are a lot of guys um, in law enforcement, as well as if, I know you guys have heard of Mission 22. You know, guys are, you know, guys and girls that serve this country, they're doing great works that are the, the, the country's warriors, man are killing themselves day in and day out because they're not getting the help they need. Um, they, they, they are the helpers, man. It's like, I'm, I tell everybody all the time, man, like who helps the helpers, bro? You know, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's something we got to start looking into. It's got to make it a, a priority. What do you think, uh, how has everything changed here in the last few years with all of the, you know, the defund the police and everything? I mean, they basically demonize the people that are here to save everybody. Is, has anything changed down by you guys or is it, is it kind of stay the same? All right, I, I can be pretty open on this podcast. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, not to get so so deep into like the politics, man, but we've seen this this overhaul um, of this this liberal overtake uh, in our country. Um, who wants to? We want to. We want to try to please everybody, and we we're, we're we become a society where we care more about feelings and facts, um, and we get so involved emotionally with things instead of kind of sticking to the facts of what works, what's gonna you know get us on the right start. Uh, and that's that's killed law enforcement. You know, we, we've seen a lot of guys, uh, a lot of these you know controversial cases of these law enforcement shootings. And what happens is a lot of these agencies don't want to end up like other agencies that they've seen in the media. They want to they, they don't want to be that agency in the media. They don't want to be a, a Minnesota. You know, what I mean, so um, they try to do what they can to outcast or separate themselves from that specific officer uh, to protect um, one, their positions um, and then the the integrity of the agency and so you see a lot of guys who are actually doing good work who are doing god's work uh in this profession um get outcasted or scorned or get labeled for doing what they had to do to survive um because we want to please the national media we want to appease uh, these government officials and it can't be that way man uh this to fund the police has really affected us where i'm at um my, the the local uh, pd uh here is probably down almost 200 spots um uh, we're starting to see a lot of people in communications leave. We're starting to see a lot of officers leave to go to other places for better money. Um, and we we begged the city city law uh, city council and the county commissioners for more money and more funding and more things of that nature. Um, hell, we had to fund the police in front of the police station for almost a year before they took it down. I mean, what what does that do for the morality of those those guys and girls who go to serve? They walk out every day out of their headquarters and they see the fund the police painted on the ground in huge yellow writing. Um, so it starts to it starts to affect the upper echelon, 
uh, because they want to protect their money. They want to protect their their rank. They want to protect their uh, their uh, retirement funds. Um, so they do they 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 become puppets, man, and they uh they do uh, what people tell them to do instead of having a leader out there that's going to be a leader of men and and listen to those guys that are on the ground doing the work. Um, we we've gotten away from that, bro, uh, and it, it's starting to affect a lot of us. Do bro. you see it drastically affecting the type of people you have coming in? Um, it does. It it does. We have a lot of really um. There's, we're starting to kind of bring in a lot of people, not only in law enforcement, um, where you, you're getting these, you're getting a lot of younger guys, right? Um, and because you're getting a lot of younger guys in, the if if your agency, specific agency, doesn't really have any incentives for you to stay, um, all the best guys are going to all these other agencies where they're going to pay and they're going to appreciate them. So when you do that, and when you don't match what these other surrounding, you know, municipalities or agencies are doing, um, you're going to bring in, you know. You're going to bring in the, the, the worst of the worst. The guys that can't get a pot other places are going to come to you because, one, it's an easy job for you to get. You're not paying much. Um, they probably have a blemish on their record or two, and then that affects the integrity of the, of the agency in itself. So if you want to retain officers, I believe, um, one, you have to give them an incentive uh, to stay. And it, that incentive doesn't always have to be monetary. You know, I tell the guy, I tell my troops all the time, you know, we can't worry about what the upper echelon is going to do. We can worry about them. We can control the morale on this squad where we work and where we serve the 10, the 10 guys that we go to work with and we go to battle with every day. We can control that morale. And if we can control that morale, we can control anything. Um, so I think guys will stay for good morale. If morale is bad uh, and pay is low, guys, guys are fine. They want to stay where they, where they feel represented, where they feel like they have a voice, where they feel like uh, they make a difference. Um, but when you take that from them and you give them low, low pay, Nobody wants to stay, man. Uh, the mission becomes blurred and guys are just guys are just trying to, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And so, human psychology. They need to know that somebody's going to have their back. If something does happen and push does come to shove, they need to know or feel in their heart that somebody's going to have their back and stick up for them. A hundred percent, bro. And that's that's what all people want is that I tell my guys all all day. I said my biggest saying for them is I, I say, look, I will die for you, but I will not lie for you. But if there's any anything that you're going through, if you can't bring it to me first, if you can't trust me enough to bring it to me first, uh, if we don't have that line of communication, then I can't help you. But if you tell me what's going on, you tell me what you've done, and you you're honest with me. But but see, that's the trust that they want. They want somebody to say, you know what, hey Sarge, I messed up. Hey Sarge, I need this. They want somebody to give them that positive reinforcement. They want somebody to say, look, I tell them all the time, bro, I got your back. Those simple words, I got your back. Those four words change the narrative bro i got your back people want to be cared for they want to feel protected um they want to feel like somebody's gonna you know somebody's a leader's really gonna lead them you know what i mean we're seeing not to get too political but we're already on the topic so uh <laughs> we're seeing such a separation between states right now i mean you've got you've got blue states that are imposing mandates and defunding police and doing all of this shit and then you have states like florida that's like if you guys got fired, come down to Florida. We got open jobs. You guys got backups in your, you know, your your ports. Come on, we'll get all your ships in in the next two hours. You know, and it's just, and we're gonna see the separation of of state leadership and and what it does for for local economies, what it does for even the mental health of the populace. Uh, and that that's huge, man. Especially for law enforcement right now, man. We have a lot of guys in my agency. Uh, it was mandated. Uh, so guys, you know, you had a choice. Um, you could be, you could be excused if you had a religious excuse or some type of medical condition. But for the most part, guys don't want to lose their jobs. 
Um, guys want to keep, you know, security. They, they don't, they want to, they want to, you know, this is their career. You know what I mean? So you're, for, but you are seeing a lot of guys who are leaving the profession uh, uh, as a whole, or they're going to these other agencies uh, who don't have these specific mandates and places like Florida's and these, these agencies in Florida, that's the way to grow their, that's the way to grow their brand. You know, why not? If you, if you're struggling in Florida to have, you know, guys come in and we've seen this, 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 this turnover rate. Why not open up your, your, you know, the floodgates and bring these hardworking officers who who are, who know how to do the job to your agencies to do your work? Um, because there's other places. There, I, I don't know, man. I just I, I really kind of hate that. I'm not like anti-vaccine. I am vaccinated. Um, I'm not anti-vaccine or anything. It was kind of rushed on me to do it. Um, but uh, I believe in having a choice, man. God should be able to have a choice. And, and, and you, you do it the right way. And I think they're trying to do it now, like here. A lot of local municipalities are saying, hey, if you have the vaccine, cool, you got, you got your stuff. If you don't, you got to get tested every week. You got to kind of go through an extra ringer. And that's bringing a lot of stress on these guys, man. Going to get some agencies are testing people twice a week now. Um, uh, and, you know, guys don't want to do that. So, guys, what happens is guys either end up submitting and getting the vaccine or guys end up saying, you know, I can't do it. And they leave. I think one of the biggest things that's come to light just in the last week is I, I posted just a screenshot of the front of the study. But over I think it was 2000 counties and 300 countries, they did a meta analysis between vaccination rate and infection rate. And there is zero correlation between vaccination status and infection rate. So really what this is, is it's a it's a personal health choice. Like I've like we've been saying for the last fucking three months. It's a personal health choice. It statistically shows that it should reduce your symptoms. If you want to get it, you should get it. What it does not show is that it's reducing infection rates because you're still getting it. And see that? You st yeah, you're still getting it, whether, whether you're vaccinated or not. I mean, I, I've always been big on my health. So there's a lot of people like, I'm not, I'm not obese. You know, I, I, I eat clean. I train every day. Um, the, 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 the you know the probability of me getting COVID and dying from it is 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 very 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 rare very slim to none uh, because I take care of my body but there's a lot of other people like that who take care of their bodies who who eat, you know eat, eat uh, clean rest well who have a very good immune system that don't need the vaccine um, so like you said it's a health choice you know what I mean if you now if you're telling me that I take the vaccine and I'm never gonna get COVID again yep. cool but don't tell me to get the vaccine and people are still yeah. getting it and dying from it I mean that. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to know. And we've fallen down this rabbit hole again. <laughs> okay, okay, back. We'll pull it back out. Pull it back out. Um, as a successful, intelligent black male, what yes. can we do? And you, I'm sure you work with a lot of the kids that come from broken homes that are just damaged, right? Like they're, they're, they're damaged. Um, I know the church is one answer, but what else can we do to try to help these kids? Because telling them that they're misfortune, telling them that they're damaged, telling them that they're hurt is not doing anything for them except for fucking them up even more. A hundred percent. People... People want to see real people, man. Uh, they don't want to hear it on the TV. They don't want to hear it on the radio. Um, they want to see you, you know, uh, and that's a lot of the work that comes down here. I've done a lot of work in the communities here. Uh, even after getting shot uh, in my own community, I go back and guys, they want to see you. You know what I mean? Uh, these kids want to see your face. Uh, if you want to change the narrative, people need to see that you care. And that doesn't mean tell them. That means doing it. Um, they've been told. They've been lied to uh, by their parents, by their family members by everybody else in their life. They want somebody that's going to tell them the truth. They want somebody that's going to care for them. So guys, they, they, they want uh, true, hardworking, honest people who are going to care about them. And you do that by just loving people, man. 
Um, and that's what I think this world needs more of is love, man. We, we do so much of, we, we get into these little cliques and these groups and we care about our own successes. Uh, but that's not what the word tells us. You know, we should be learning and growing. We should be meeting those strangers, even in the church, in the, in the church setting. You know, what is it doing for me to meet with a bunch of guys who are every, every Monday, I meet with a bunch of guys who are saved and who love Jesus. And I'm meeting with those guys once a week. But what am I doing the other six days? Those other six days, I should be meeting people. I should be meeting and reaching out to people who don't know Jesus. And I should be trying to minister to them. And I should be trying to bring them to the faith. Like people want to see those people and they want to see real people. And, and, and all these Christians out there, and if, you, if you, this hurts your feelings, so be it. People don't want Bible thumpers. They don't want you to tell you because that's what turns people away from Christianity is they see you, a Christian. They think, oh, he hates my sin. He hates my sin. He's not going to love me. I can't trust him. He's going to judge me. They don't want to see that. They want to see you make mistakes. You repent, you forgive, and you still be able to get back on your feet in love and, 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 came, and claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what they want to see. They want to see broken people. God wants to use broken people, man. He doesn't want to use the pride for or he wants to he wants to use broken people to, 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 to carry out his mission. I think it, and know? everybody out there, everybody's got some broken in them. Right. And so if, if yeah. you're p portraying yourself as this shiny, you know, this shiny stone, you're just full of shit. Whereas like we're real on yeah. here. Like we talk, we, we, we talk about real things and we talk about our, our fuck ups and our damage and that's what it's going to take. That's good, Paul. I'm, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And uh, people, they want to see people with scars uh, and, and stories and histories and that people who have been places that they've been. They want to be able to relate to you, man. If you're not, if you're not a relatable person, man, nobody yeah. wants to be around. I mean, if you just look at the Bible itself, I mean, God used every person that God used. I mean, murderer, adulterer, uh, prostitute. Mm -hmm. man, I mean, mm -hmm. he's used all the worst broken people. Yeah, he didn't use any perfect people. He seemed to go <laughs> after those guys. So. <laughs> so good man and people got to take they, they get, you got to take so much away from it and like uh he wants to use broken people man I, I i i think about even my story and i'm pretty sure both of you guys have stories of that nature man when you get back into this mindset you know everybody my pastor asked me uh right after the incident happened he's like have you since the incident have you blamed god i said never once have i blamed god so many guys um or believers uh get into this mindset of saying why me god why me you know I always say, why not me? Let me be the one who you work on. Let me be the broken one that you restore uh, so that I can continue to carry out your mission. I always ask God, why not me? I want to, and it's one thing, if you ask God, if you ask him, not to preach to you guys, um, but if you ask him to be a vessel for his mission, that's one prayer he's always going to answer. He's going to put you through the trial, man. So if you're not ready for it, you better not ask for it because if you ask him to carry out his mission and to be a light and a beacon for his, his kingdom, he's going to use you. And his way, not your way. So be prepared for it. Um, how do you think crime has changed since you started? What are, what are you seeing? Uh, crime has gotten a lot worse. Um, because, like, again, because of the whole um, the whole liberal mindset, they, we've, they've gotten away from this. this they want to get rid of this cash bonding system. Um, and just to give you a specific to kind of show you how bad it is here. Uh, both of my defendants are convicted felons, multiple charges of firing by felon. One of them who was currently on, um, he was out on bond uh, for farm by felon and a possession of marijuana uh, and was given like a $20,000 unsecured bond, was let out. And then two weeks later, he shoots my ass. Uh, so if we were doing things right in the justice system and hold people accountable and not worried about everybody's feelings, that guy would never been out to shoot me. Uh, so that's kind of how I think about it. We get to this thing where we, we care so much about these criminals than we do 
actual law-abiding citizens that want to live right. You know, if you if you can't, I'm cool with it. Like if you make if you if you're doing these little small crimes, little petty crimes, cool, we can recidivate you. But if you're out here doing violent crimes, shooting people in broad daylight, you know, shooting in the houses, shooting in the cars, and have no no sense of you know remorse for anything you're doing, then you don't deserve to, to see the light of day. Um, we got to get back to that, man. We got to start punishing people. You know what I mean? We got to start punishing people from from the the the, the crimes that they commit. Uh, and that's what it boils down to. If you don't, you let it run. You you create these. You create police who are afraid to police. Then that's that's an opportunity, a, a, a betting ground for criminals to do what they want. And we've seen they know that police aren't going to do their jobs. They know that uh, the police are not there turning on blue lights. They're not trying to stop anybody. They know if they go to jail, they're going to get a low bond. They know if they go before the judge, they're going to get probation. So they know that man. They're taking advantage. Yeah, of that's it a right that's now. a slow evolution. That doesn't happen overnight. That's that's been happening for a long time, and you don't fix nope. it overnight. But you got to at least start moving in the right direction. You got to turn the ship, even if it's a big ass ship that takes a long fucking time to turn. You got to turn the ship. Hundred percent, brother. Martin, you got anything else? Oh man, probably could talk for a long time, but uh, yeah, just uh, appreciate you coming on and. Man, you got a great story, and I uh, appreciate you sharing your spiritual side and talking about accountability and uh, PTSD because, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, my experience with the VA, too, is you can't sit there and talk to a, you know, 40-year-old lady trying to talk to you about combat and it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mesh, but they just keep throwing them at you. Yeah. And they're just trying to, the thing is, Martin, they're just trying to, they're trying to check out the boxes, man, to say we did it, you know, instead of caring about the people. I, I, I just, we got to get back to it. And if that means that the people who are involved in it, guys like us, uh, who are involved in it, who have the experience, if we, they want to see us, uh, they don't need to hear it from that 40 year old woman who's never been involved in any type of combat, who's never experienced war, who's never seen blood. Uh, they want to hear from the real warriors who've been there. Uh, that's why some of these agencies and these companies who get together, who are they get all these tarnished warriors together to talk about those war stories and share that stuff with uh, that's what's going to save us man um because we can't do it alone bro and uh, it's only a few to understand it not everybody's going to understand what you've been through not everybody's going to understand and I, I, there's this saying i say for my guys not everybody's going everybody's not haven't been to the show before you know and i've been to the show you've been to the show uh, a lot of guys don't know they don't know what the show looks like man so when they get in the spotlight they don't know how to perform brother Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again, man. A uh, lot of awesome information. Everybody's going to going to really like this one. We are uh, whenever we have guests on, they're very well performed performing podcast versus when just me and Martin's ugly mug get on and talk. So we're sick well, of God, hearing from us. Well, God, thank you guys so much for uh, for you know, having me on. Uh, I've done a couple of these by far. This has been the best setup, the easiest setup. Uh, you guys sent me a list of stuff to kind of prepare for what I was looking forward to. A lot of times you get up here and guys are just talking. Uh, you guys uh, present it well. Um, I'm looking forward to linking with you guys again, having a relationship with both of you guys and kind of reconnecting here down the road and kind of sharing some information, sharing some knowledge. I'm a sponge, man. I want to soak it up. So I'm one of those guys going to ask you a thousand questions. I want to make uh, I want to make myself better, but I want to make the guys that's going to come after me better as well. So thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Awesome. I thank you. Chance.